0: Welcome to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. We pray that these messages encourage you, inspire you, and give you hope. Whether you are in your car, at your house, or your job, we hope you enjoy these messages. All right. Why don't you to stand to your feet one more time, and then I won't ask you to stand anymore till we're done. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll start in verse one and read down through verse 12. You can find it online. You can find it um, on the wall. You can find it in a a paper Bible. Still, you can find it on your phone. 2 Timothy chapter one, starting in verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you consistently in my prayers night and day as I remember your tears. I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice and now I am sure dwells in you as well for this reason I'm reminded I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and of self and self-control therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me his prisoner but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Father, we just thank you today for your your word to us, Lord. We know it has a power to change us. God, we want you. Today, we don't only want to be reminded of our past, Lord, we want to know how you'll use it. God, we know you're faithful to do that. Give us confidence that you know our whole person, our yesterdays, todays, and forever, and that you're for us. We thank you today, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Paul is writing his second letter to his protege, Timothy. Um, Paul uh, Paul has started out on these missionary journeys, journeys with a guy named Barnabas. And um, there was a young guy named John Mark who had went with him but had kind of abandoned them. I'm not sure why, but... Uh, through the course of the journey. You know how young, young people may be a little fickle? Something happened and John Mark uh, didn't complete the journey, which left an impression on Paul as to his viability for the next journey. And so when Paul and Barnabas go to set out on the next journey, he argues with Barnabas a little bit and they, he ends up uh, splitting. Barnabas takes John Mark and Paul ends up going with Silas and um, the gospel moves forward. How many of you know it's okay to have disagreements in church? Some of you like, oh. Uh. No, it's fine, it's fine. They had a disagreement and um, there's personality conflicts and probably stuff that we don't even realize. And so Barnabas was faithful to still mentor John Mark. We know that because later on in Paul's life, he actually says that he is useful to him and that he's a, that he's a great uh, that he's useful to the kingdom, and 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 Barnabas is, or Paul's giving his approval. So so it's good that Barnabas was able to, to able to still mentor somebody that Paul couldn't. How many of you know you can't mentor everybody? Some people you just ain't gonna get along with, no matter how how much Jesus is in them. Is that true? Like I know you're saved, but I mean we ain't gonna hang out. I'm thankful that Paul doesn't stop mentoring people though. When you get to Acts chapter 16, he finds a young man named Timothy. And he, Timothy's got this great reputation as a young man. And Paul begins to take him in and mentor him. And actually, uh, Timothy becomes like a protege to Paul. And when you start reading Paul's letters to Timothy, you find out that he's really preparing him to lead. He's preparing him. He's equipping him. He's giving him opportunities and and it's the expectation that Timothy is going to carry on this work that Paul started. So we get to Paul's second letter to Timothy, and he starts out that letter by acknowledging Paul says that he was operating the same way his ancestors did. Paul's recognizing that he came uh, from people who who were God-fearing people and who had trusted God and had faith in God that was paul's that was Paul's legacy really that was Paul's history that was that was um, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob was Paul's lineage. he was raised up as a Pharisee he he knew all about that and he's and he's saying he was carrying that along and he and then he points in a way to Timothy's heritage as well and he was He's trying to remind Timothy, hey, look at where you came from. Look at where you came from. And that, and that it was important for him to remember where he had come from. Now, I told you last week, I'm very thankful on one side of my family to have a, a great uh, Christian heritage. Uh, what, I, what I forgot to tell you is that Timothy only had, a, only had a godly heritage on one side of his family. The Bible says uh, teaches us that, that Timothy was born to a believing Jewish mother and a Greek father. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say really anything about the father. By the way, more than likely at this time, the father's not even alive. And so Paul's kind of stepped into that role. You hear him call Timothy his son. So how many of you got a little split personality in your history? Is that a good way to say it? A little split personality. Like on one side of your family tree, you're like, oh man. Then the other side of your family tree, you're like, oh man. <laughs> Ooh. Like when you draw your family tree, it's only got limbs on one side. You're like, what happened to the other side? Ah, rather not get into that. You notice Paul only points points out Timothy's heritage on his mom's side of the family. He doesn't say, I'm not saying his dad was a bad guy. Um I'm not saying your family on one side are bad people, just different. Let's just put it like that. Maybe we'll just call them different. He points out to Timothy, hey, I remember, first of all, he says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors with a clear conscience. He says, I'm serving God the same way my ancestors did with a clear conscience. Then he gets to Timothy, he said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So Paul was quick to remember where he'd come from and the heritage he had. He'd come from a lineage of people who had served God with a clear conscience. They had submitted their lives to God, and Paul was carrying on that model in his life. Then he pivots to point out that Timothy had a similar legacy, not quite as far back as Paul could go, but nonetheless with his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, he was saying, Timothy, you can point back to believing roots. Paul's reminding Timothy that our past is there to serve us. Timothy's past is there to encourage him in leadership role that God had given him. A godly heritage is a privilege that Timothy had. Now, um, let me use a little word picture here for you. I want to make sure we, we're going to kind of follow this through the whole time today. Anybody ever been camping? That's like the thing to do now. Can't even buy a kayak anywhere. I don't think you can buy a tent anywhere. Uh, Everybody, we got locked down. Everybody went camping. That's what happened. They're like, oh, you try to lock us down. We'll go in the woods. That's what we'll do. Lock us down. We'll go in the woods. Uh, We went on a fishing trip to uh, Cape Lookout, North Carolina. And it is as deserted as you can possibly get. We've been doing this for years. A bunch of guys go together. And they said they had more people out on that island this year than ever. And I thought, please, God, go back to normal. This, is, I like, I'm, this was our quiet little place. Anybody ever bought firewood at a campground? Yeah, so the idea about firewood at a campground is that you go to the camp store, and they've got it bundled up for you, and it's what? Can anybody give me a descriptor of how the firewood should be when you get it? It should be dry, right? I can pick up wet wood myself, thank you. So the whole idea about firewood is that you go to the campground? You want to start a fire. You get dry wood. You gather. You gather maybe. You don't gather up wet sticks. You gather up dry sticks, and so so you go to the camp store. And typically they have it piled up there, and it's wrapped in some type of cellophane uh, to bundle it together. And you give them five bucks. And if it's a if it's one of the old school camp stores, they got that trust honor system where you put the five bucks in the little uh, little box, and and then you have the one person there who thinks they're the camp store uh, sheriff. And they're standing there looking at you like. I'm like, get off my back. I'm putting the $5 in. I'm only taking one bundle. And like I saw your husband do earlier. So you get the wood and you realize that it's been dried out. It's good. Because wet wood doesn't burn very well to start a fire. So that's the way, that's kind of the way it happens at a campground. Anybody got a wood stove in their house? Oh, everybody's here is like, what would you mess with that for? Uh, so when my wife and I built our house so much, it's going on 18 years ago. We put a wood stove in the basement. I thought, I got a chainsaw, I'm gonna be a man. I'm gonna cut my own heat. And so we put a wood stove in the basement. I thought I was gonna heat my whole house with it, and it was that's a lot of work, bro. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of work. When the weight of the heat for your family is resting on you alone, that's a that's a lot of weight to carry. So I started cutting wood and doing all this stuff, and then I realized that that there was a trick to starting wood in a a wood stove. So my next question is, any of you have a wood stove in your house and you have successfully filled the whole house up with smoke more than once? (laughs) Man, you want to make me furious. Like wake up on a morning that it's kind of cold because you set the heat back, Thinking that your wood stove was going to last through the night and it didn't. So now it's freezing in the morning and you decide to go downstairs and it's burned itself totally out. There's not even any coals and the pipe's cold and now you're down there trying to start a fire. You get your paper under it and you got to light it and then you see it taking off a little bit and you're like, man, I got it. And then you panic. Because when you see the smoke get to the top of the wood stove, it starts coming out towards you instead of going up the pipe. And then it's everything that you have within you to be a Christian after that moment. And you say, just keep the kids upstairs because I'm getting ready to say stuff that they don't need to hear. And, and you, like, it's 20 degrees out, and you're opening up all the doors in the house. Now your heat pump's on, the emergency heat's on, the neighbors are calling the cops, and... And the fire department, like, and just everything's crazy. Then I started figuring out a few tricks, and I could, I could get the thing lit. A torch helps a lot. Um, but the key, the key is have wood that's suitable for a fire. That's a big deal. That's a big deal, having wood suitable for a fire. So I started thinking about what Paul was telling Timothy And what Paul's getting ready to say to Timothy as we keep reading this, Paul's getting ready to say that he he laid hands on Timothy and then that Timothy was responsible for fanning a fire into flame. So we're gonna get there in a second, but I I wanna talk about having wood suitable for a fire. When I look at half of my Past, I have a very godly heritage. When I look at the other side, it's not so much. When I look at, and that's stuff I could do nothing about. How many of you have things you could do nothing about? By the way, you couldn't do anything about your parents. They are who they are. And if you're 16 in here and you wish that it was different, sorry about your bad luck. They are who they are. The issue is this. There's that side of the thing that I can't control, but there's also a side of the thing that I did control. And sometimes that's got a split personality too, doesn't it? I want you to think, I've made a lot of good decisions in my life, but I've probably made equal bad decisions in my life too. Anybody ever have that story? I think from about 16 to 20, I was kind of off the rails. I was out doing what I wanted to do, and I didn't, I wasn't even though I was raised in a godly heritage by great parents and, and raised in a, in a church and in the whole nine yards, uh, by the time I reached about 16, I didn't want anything to do with it. I mean, I would go. You know, me and a couple other kids, that's, that's when you well, Sunday night you prayed after the pastor, and you'd turn around and kneel down on, your, on, your, on, your, on the pew, and you'd, you'd be praying like this, and then you'd look. Okay, we're done? Yeah, we're done. Okay, yeah, we get up. we're praying, we're just waiting on the time where it looked like we were praying. I hear some people who grew up in church over here. You weren't really praying, you were just kind of eyeballing the other dude because you didn't want to be the first guy that got up to make it look like you weren't really praying. Just me. By the way, the other guy was a pastor's kid, so ah, ah. So if, if, if you're like me, I have, some, I have some good things in my past and I have some bad things in my past. That's probably a uniform statement for all of us in here. What I figured out was, is that God was able to take all that stuff from my past and turn it into something that would burn. Now, now I need you to follow me through with this. Turn it into something that would burn. Now, I, I need to... I need to make sure you understand. So how many of you, when you start a fire, you're like, that tree deserves to burn. If you're doing that, you're sick. (laughs) That's not why we burn wood. We burn wood because of what it provides for us while it's burning. Amen? We, we, We burn wood not because of what it has done, but what it can provide for us in the present. Come on, are you following me? Nobody opens the wood stove door and goes, hey, I'm throwing in a piece of rotten oak. It deserves it. You're going to hear the basement door click and lock if you start talking like that. We don't do stuff like that. We We don't look at the tree's history and say it deserves to burn. No, we're burning it because of, not because of what it's done, but what it can provide. So that changes the way we think about that can change the way you think about your life. So 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 listen, Paul says, Timothy, you have this great history on your on your mom's side of the family, but but Timothy also had a history on his dad's side of the family. I don't know what that was, but it wasn't a gospel history evidently. And you may have the same thing. You may have no history in the gospel. You may be the first one to ever to ever endeavor to have a relationship with Christ. You may be the first one, so, so you think, well, I don't have any of that history. Well, what I'm saying is, is that history is just that. It's just history. So, what God does is he bundles it all up together. He bundles it all up together. And he makes it suitable to start a fire. He makes it suitable for burning. Now, He's not burning it because of what happened. He's going to set it on fire because of what it can provide now. That should change the way you think about your past. Because uh, let, me, let me let you into my mentality a lot of times. I don't think about the past a lot because it's, it's the past. And my personality is just that. Um, I've just wired to just keep moving forward. And so if my past doesn't serve me in the present, I don't care about it. And I figure if I run far enough past it, I won't even remember it. Now, I know if there's any counselors sitting in the room (laughs) that you're probably thinking we need to sit down and talk. I'm fine with that too. The issue is, my mentality is, if I just run fast enough, It'll be far enough behind that the pictures won't even be there anymore. And we don't take many pictures in my house. It's a rule. (laughs) What I had to realize is that God didn't want me to run past that. God wanted me to stop long enough to see how he was going to bundle it up. God wanted me to stop long enough to see. Hey, wait a second! I can bundle up all your past. Come on, we we I, I, talk about beating a dead horse. Romans eight twenty eight. I'm going to keep telling you that through this whole heritage and legacy talk, the whole He could take all things will work together for good. He said, "I'll bundle it all up. Just put it all together." Put the godly heritage, put the stuff you messed up on, put the put the side of your family you don't even want to talk about, put it all together, and I'll dry it out enough that it's useful for now. That it's it's not just part of you, it's actually benefiting you. I should say that again. I think we're gonna have a moment. That your past isn't just part of who you are. Everything about your past, when God bundles it together, is actually able now to not just be your past, but to be a benefit to you now and in the future. Come on, somebody say amen. Okay, you're going to be a little tough. I'll, I'll, I'll spend a little more time convincing you. we got 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Our past is like a bundle of sticks, all positioned to start a purposeful fire. Every situation that we've lived through has added another stick to that potential fire. Paul's looking at Timothy saying, hey, man, I remember your grandmother, Lois. I remember your mother, Eunice. The faith they had, They believe. And they pass that on to you. I'm sure that same type of spirit is in you. I'm sure it's in there. So remember, Paul's telling Timothy, hey, all My ancestors before me, now I'm telling you, started with your grandmother, and then your mother, and now I see that same thing in you. And then Paul transitions to actually starting a fire. So, he's saying, look, God bundled all this stuff together. He bundled it all together. And now, there was an ignition. He reminds Timothy of an ignition moment in his life. How many of you know you can pile up sticks, but until you put a spark to it, it's just gonna sit there, amen? Paul says there's an ignition moment. Now, we're gonna have to rearrange the chronological order of the text because he tells him to fan into flame the gift of God. We're going to get to the fanning part later. Are you okay with that? We're going to rearrange chronologically what happened here. He says fan in the flame. But what I want to talk about right now is he says, for this reason I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There was an ignition moment. When I would start a fire in the wood stove it was sheer elation when the thing finally caught. Just match after match after match, and you're bundling up paper and bundle up paper and bundle up paper and match and match and paper and paper and match and paper and cussing and match and paper and, and throwing things and match and paper. And, and I've run out of paper. I've burnt things that I wasn't supposed to burn. And, Hey, where'd that box go? I cut it up last week to start a fire. Some of your ignition moments were 30 years ago. Some of them were last week. Some of them I'm praying to God will be today. Paul tells Timothy, hey, remember how God bundled up all that stuff? Your grandmother, your mother, even on your dad's side of the family. Remember how he bundled all that stuff up? And then remember when I laid hands on you? Now, now they weren't struggling with COVID-19 back then, so they were laying hands on everybody. Now we got to do a little bit distance. We got to say, Spider-Man blessing. The, Paul says, I laid hands on you, and something sparked Something sparked. Not that Paul had some supernatural power in and of himself to redeem and save. That's not what he was talking about. He sparked something that God had already put in Timothy. that God had already bundled up in Timothy's life. All of his past had been bundled up to this place, and he knew he had a legacy. He knew, he knew all these things, all the right decisions Timothy made, all the wrong decisions Timothy made. He, God was able to bundle them all up. He encounters Paul, and Paul, Paul presents to him, this is what you're called. Boom, lays hands on him, and Paul indicates that there's a spark that happens, and a fire erupts. Paul knew intimately what this was like. We've talked about Paul's history before. Paul called himself the Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul had the perfect pedigree. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He had the right teachers. He had had the the right upbringing, the right education, the right everything to be a perfect Jewish leader. He, he was in the end. He was as deep as you could get. And when this Jesus thing popped off, when, when the way they called it started spreading, Paul felt a personal responsibility to make sure that it didn't go very far. And so he started the stoning of Stephen. We find out that Paul's standing there approving of it. We find out, we find out that his own volition that he goes... And gets permission to, to lock Christians up and to, and to persecute them. And we find out that on his way to Damascus, he, is, he has an ignition moment. Now remember, Paul's story, as far as faith goes, is not great. Hey, how'd you come to Jesus? Well, I tried to kill everybody that was following him. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll talk next week. How long have you been converted? I mean, that's not a story that you stand up and go, hey, how'd you come to Jesus? Well, I was on my way to lock a whole bunch of you people up and bang, Jesus met me. That was his story though. And so God, you want to talk about God being able to set a fire to anything, that's a remarkable thing. On his way to Damascus, the Bible says that he's struck with blindness. Everybody in his party falls down to the ground, and he hears a voice from heaven, Jesus himself, saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul says, who are you? I'm Jesus of Nazareth. What are you doing? And at that moment, the spark of the Spirit of God, of Jesus himself, lit everything that God had prepared in Paul's life, which did not seem consumable at the moment. It wouldn't be the story you and I would pick. It wouldn't be the history you and I would pick. It wouldn't be the preparation you and I would pick. But it was the exact thing that God wanted Paul to experience. He was able to bundle it all up, all the stuff that Paul had walked through, and at the right moment, spark it into a flame. And then Paul would write to the Philippians, this one thing I do, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Way back, 30, 40 years before that, Jesus had stopped him on the road to Damascus and took that dry kindling of his past and lit a spark to it. And at the end of his life, he was still chasing that flame. You got that same bundle of sticks in your life. God's not trying to set that on fire for you to forget who you are, forget what you walked through, or forget, or forget all the bad stuff that happened to you, or, for, or, or to be pompous about how good you've been. No, he's trying to set the thing on fire to benefit you today. Remember, you don't burn a piece of wood because of how bad the wood was. You burn it because of what it can offer you today. So he's not trying to get you to forget your past. He said, I can turn it into something that's valuable today. So think, well, how does a persecutor of Christians now become a proponent? And what good even is that? Chris, how do what I walk through, how will that even benefit me? How could it ever benefit me today? How could God ever use that mistake I made? How could he ever use that stupid thing? How could he ever use that thing I got? How could he ever do that? Well, you fast forward a little bit. There's a guy named Barnabas. Remember the guy named Barnabas? When Paul comes to Christ, he leaves and goes to Tarsus, his hometown for like a decade. Meanwhile, the gospel is spreading. The church sends Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas starts to try to pastor Antioch and I think Barnabas might've realized he didn't know everything, so who's he going to get? He goes and gets Paul, who's an expert in scripture. An expert in scripture. The guy that persecuted people like Barnabas was an expert in the scripture. So now that Paul's converted, Barnabas goes against Paul and brings him to Antioch. And they teach everybody there for a whole year. And so what happened? That thing that you thought you might want to forget about, God is able to bundle it up, dry it out. And now in your present, God's able to ignite it, set it on fire for your benefit. That same thing that you thought was worthless will now provide heat in your life today. Think about it. That same thing that any of you or I would have wanted to put off, God now says, Paul, use it for my glory. That thing that, that, that you were persecuting the church over, now I want you to bring that to Antioch. You walk it down here to Antioch, I'll set that thing on fire and the whole church will benefit from it. The ignition has to happen though. The ignition has to happen. You can't, you can't just will yourself into being great or will yourself into like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get over this past. Well, I'm just gonna get over it. You know what I found out? As far as I can run, there's still something back there. And I'm telling you one thing, I can run away from past as fast as anybody. But as far as I can run, it's still there. Somebody took a picture Somebody else remembers what I did. I'm getting to middle age now, and so high school for me is becoming hard to remember, not for some other people. Don't you have those friends who are like, oh, I remember when you did that? You're like, I didn't do that. They were like, here's a picture. And you're like, how did you even get that? Don't show that to my wife. You know what I don't worry about now? Who's got what pictures? Because God already set all that stuff on fire. It's not that I'm trying to run from the past. It's that God is so faithful to use everything that happened there, set it on fire for my benefit in the present. And if we can get through our thick skulls that the Bible teaches us that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, we will be convinced that everything that happened before the ignition time now serves as fuel after the ignition. Did you hear that? Jesus is not using any of your past to condemn you. He's using it for your benefit now. He's saying, no, 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 we'll burn that for your benefit. I don't want you to forget it. I want you to use it now. I don't want you to overlook it. I don't want you to act like it didn't happen because now it's going to be the fire that propels you into what I want you to do. So the problem is, is that Paul says, you remember when I laid hands on you and the ignition happened? You remember when that happened, Timothy? Because listen, it doesn't matter if your great-grandfather was a Christian and your grandfather was a Christian and your mom was a Christian and your dad was a Christian. That fire's got to start in you. If you try to go have your faith just on the coattails of the people that came before you, the fire won't start. But when God reaches down and touches you individually, that's when the ignition happens. Paul said, I laid hands on you, Timothy. You remember that? And the Holy Spirit started a fire in your life. All of your past, he prepared. And he started that fire just like that. You remember that, Timothy? Paul says, you remember remember your past? Now you remember the ignition moment. Pow. It was like a ball of Tannerite. You know, the The stuff you can shoot with a gun and boom. I can't believe they even sell that stuff. It's awesome. (laughs) But you want to talk about igniting. My prayer is is that God himself through the Holy Spirit would come down and ignite your life like a ball of tannerite. And there'd be an unmistakable, like Paul telling Timothy, you remember the day I laid hands on you. Man, that was like an explosion that happened. But he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't leave it there. He says, Timothy, now you have to fan the flame. Now you have to fan the flame. Now you have to get out. You've got to pump the bellows. You've got to fan the flame because God ignites it. Remember, we talked last week, God prepares the circumstances and then faith completes the circuit. Remember that? God prepares circumstances. Faith completes the circuit. It's the same thing. He's saying, Timothy, your faith has to keep fanning that thing that God started in you into flame. Just keep fanning it. Keep fanning it. Because guess what I figured out? When God sparks the fire in you, you're still married to the same person. Oh, you got perfect marriages. Good for you, you little liars. When God sparks the flame, you still work at the same place. When God sparks the flame, you still have the same kids. Kids, listen, when God sparks the flame, you still have the same parents. Ah! God doesn't spark the flame, and you wake up the next morning, you're like, oh, you're actually a woman I love now. Oh, that's great. No, the same problems are coming at you, the same trials, the same tribulations. Paul says, this is the reason I suffer in verse 12. What Paul knows about Timothy is, God sparks the flame. This sets the fire. But we fan the flame because of our future. That just because he sparked the fire doesn't mean it's going to get easier. Matter of fact, he tells Timothy, "I laid hands on you, and you have to flame it because I don't want you to be afraid." He says he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So watch this. Here's what I figured out. The band's going to come up. We're going to end with this. Remember I told you at the beginning why you buy dry wood to start the fire? Remember you're at the, what, you're only camping for a week. You're not going to sit around and wait for the wood to dry. Not gonna go to the campground and the guy say, Hey man, we got some wood out there but it's wet, you're gonna have to wait till I'm only here three days. Oh, waiting on wood to dry. But you realize um, you know what I found out? Has anybody started a fire that they got afraid of? Anybody started one of those? Yeah, maybe you accidentally threw a tire in it or something like that. And you get a fire going hot enough, you burn all the trash in the house. Oh, that's like cast iron, just throw it in there, it'll burn. That thing's hot. I've been a part of fires that I was afraid of before. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't tell it, I can't, I can't. They still go to this church. Um I have been a part of fires that I was afraid of. Like, dude, we're going to burn this thing down. We're going to burn down things we didn't mean to burn down. We're all going to get in trouble. You know what I found out? If you get a fire hot enough, you can burn anything in it. If you get a fire hot enough, you can burn wet wood in it. You just get that thing hot. So Paul says this, God prepared your past. Come on, just accept it. God prepared your past. All that stuff, all that stuff you don't want to talk about, all that stuff you didn't think was useful, all that stuff you're embarrassed about, he just dried it all out. Dried it all out. Then the Holy Spirit ignited it. He said, "Timothy, now fan it. Fan it in the flame because guess what? I'm not promising your life's going to get easier." Matter of fact, you're watching me suffer right now. He says, don't be ashamed of these chains I'm in. Don't, 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 don't falter because things aren't going perfectly. Don't falter, Timothy, because you see me being persecuted for the sake of Christ. Don't, don't falter for the suffering I'm walking through. Timothy, Timothy, listen, listen. He didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love and sound mind. You, you fan that thing. You fan that. God set that. God set you on fire, you keep fanning it because listen, when that thing happens tomorrow that used to shake you, you just throw it into that fire and when it's hot enough, it'll burn it for your benefit. I love getting a fire really hot on a camp out because you can just start throwing anything in it. That's wet, it doesn't matter, it'll burn. And then when you sit down and watch it, what? It just burns. When you get it hot enough, it'll burn everything. And so now my future looks totally different. Now, because God was faithful in my past to gather all that stuff up, faithful to give me the heritage I had, faithful through the mistakes I made, faithful to gather it all up, the Holy Spirit set it on fire. And now through faith, I fan it into flame. I don't have to fear the future because now the whole future becomes fuel. Come on, first service, first service said amen right there. I'm gonna just be honest with you. First service said amen right there. I'm pretty sure third service will say amen right there. Stand to your feet. Some of you are nervous about what's coming. It's fuel. Some of you are nervous about, what am I gonna do in two years? It doesn't matter. If I fan the flame hot enough, it'll all burn. If I fan the flame hot enough, God promises to use it. If I fan the flame hot enough, that thing that was meant to destroy me now becomes fuel for my future it is written down that he will use it for his glory in your life amen so all we have to do listen maybe some of you that spark happened 30 years ago maybe some 20 10 maybe some 50 years ago that spark happened and you haven't got the bellows out lately i'm telling you make that thing a roaring fire again but if you're here today and you say, chris that thing's never there's never been a fire set in my life I'm telling you, Jesus wants to meet you this morning. The Holy Spirit is here, and he is willing to take everything that you brought in this room with you this morning, and he's able to light it up for his glory and your benefit. And He wants to do that today. Come on, bow your heads. Father, we thank you, guys. We thank you that you're just as faithful with the past as you are with the present, and you are with the future, God. You promised us there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus you brought us this far you brought us this far to complete the work in us and so we ask you to do that this morning we ask you to complete it Lord we ask you to take all of our past and use it as fuel but God we pray that we'd be able to fan that thing in the roaring flame of faith that whatever comes our way Lord Will just be fuel for the fire whatever comes our way will be fuel for the fire lord you did not give us a spirit of fear but a power love and a sound mind and it doesn't matter what happens in front of us lord we make a commitment right now that will increase our faith in you thank you for it come on church could you lift your voice come on sing this out We thank you for your time today. We hope you have grown closer to Jesus Christ through this message. If you found it helpful, share the message. Share it with your friends and your family. And with your help, we can take the gospel far and wide.